0: Hey, Cliff Ravenscraft here, and what you're about ready to hear is a very special episode of the Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast. I invited my friend Brian Dixon to interview me about my journey. I'll set that up in just a moment for you, but I just want to make one quick note about the audio quality. We had this scheduled for today. His internet was not set up in a new place where he's moved to. And rather than delay having this conversation, we did this via FaceTime cellular call, so the audio quality isn't up to normal standards, and certainly not even for Brian Dixon, he would typically have an incredibly powerful audio quality coming through on his end, but just wanted to make a note that the audio quality, I ask that you forgive it, I wanted to explain it, and without any further ado, here's this episode. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast. Cliff Ravenscraft here, and I have a very special and different format for you for this episode. Uh, Back in episode number 147, I did an episode titled Facing Fear of Being Shunned, and I talked about my Facebook post that I put on uh, social media that talked about the fact that I've been going through a spiritual awakening and deconstruction journey. And I shared some of the reaction and responses that had come from that. And one of the folks who had responded was my friend, Brian Dixon and I, B- Brian. Just so you know, I talked about your your uh, your concern and then your your actual explanation of your concern and and the dialogue that you and I have had. That's in episode 147. If anybody wants the backstory on this, and ever since that dialogue, I had on my heart a prompting from within. I I should invite Brian onto the podcast and asking if he would be interested in interviewing me for the Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast. Not as a debate. I don't have anything to de- defend. I'm not trying to suggest anybody believe anything that I believe. So there's there's nothing here as far as that's going to be concerned. But if Brian, if you're interested in asking me probing questions to find out what the heck's cl- going on with my friend Cliff— feel free, let's have an open dialogue. And I was shocked that you instantly said, hey, that sounds like a great idea, let's do it. And so I am honored to have you on the podcast and by our agreement and my suggestion, the rest of this episode is within your control. You are interviewing me, I have no preparation whatsoever for this podcast. I have no idea what Brian's gonna ask me, but I'm genuinely interested in maintaining my relationship my respect for and my friendship with Brian Dixon and I'd love to just have a dialogue and also let other people see the type of conversation you can have with somebody who may or may not agree with whatever path you happen to choose to go down in life. So Brian, I'm finished taking the lead. It's all yours let's go with it.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Well, Cliff, first of all, just thank you for the opportunity to to speak with you. And you're somebody that I've respected for years. We've had a relationship for for years. And the reason that I commented, when I told my wife, Julie, that I commented on your post, she's like, what did you say? <laughs> so I, I appreciate you dialoguing and keeping, keeping the dialogue. And I think that's an important part of, of this journey is being able to have conversation. So I'm really grateful to be here with you.
0: Well, thank you. I I'm I'm honored to maintain relationships as far as I'm concerned, it is all about being of support and encouragement to one another, accepting one another unconditionally, expressing love to others as you would love yourself and how you would want yourself to be treated and so yeah, I'm I'm eager to see what we come up with as far as this conversation. I'm I'm I can't wait to see what's going through your mind.
1: Well, yeah, the way that I'd
0: like to structure our conversation, first of all, I just,
1: I think it's, I think it's important when we're having a conversation with people to, to understand where they're coming from and then to, and, and then to, to figure out kind of how they've arrived at, at that destination. So that my first series of questions for you, Cliff, is where are you now? Because I think just like anything, right, I do some business coaching and when I'm doing business coaching, I I wanna ask my client, what's going on right now in your life? Where are you right now? And then knowing that, that will that'll reframe some of the follow-up questions of how did you arrive to that point and where is it that you want to go? And so I'd like to take that
0: same tactic with you today, if that sounds uh, good for you. Sure, absolutely. And do you want to ask sp- specific questions that will get to where I am today?
1: Yes, I have four questions for you. I would love to hear the the following i would love to hear what your view of hell is what your view of jesus is what your view of creation is and what your view of eternity is and i'm sure your your listeners would be interested to hear where you are as well on those on those four things so one more one more time hell jesus creation and eternity
0: Okay. Small questions, right? Really yeah. small questions. Sure. Well, first and foremost, I want to preface what I'm saying is w- it. what I'm about ready to say is where I am today. I have yeah. not come to any conclusion. In fact, I used to have, I, use, I had previously come to a conclusion of what I thought about all four of those things. I now no longer agree with the conclusions that I had arrived at and... I have completely changed how I feel about most of those things and where I am today, I refuse to accept it as a conclusion. I accept that there is an infinite amount of data and experience and insight that I don't have access to and so that I am willing to continue to explore and potentially change my where I'm at on these issues so first and foremost where am i today just gut response i do not believe in an eternal hell and damnation of eternal separation from god i do not i do believe there is hell and i would define hell as the belief that one is separated from god the the belief that one is not of god uh, the belief that one feels disconnected or separate from God. And by the way, it's only a belief in my mind. It's not in reality. I don't think there's anybody that's separated from God, and nor has there ever been. I believe that God's omnipresent and everywhere in everyone. And so it's only a perception of the separation. And I believe it's any perceived separation from God is in fact an experience of suffering and or hell and hell in my mind is it it comes from and would be described as the lower level based emotions of being stuck in cycles of guilt shame anger pride envy desire not that there's anything wrong from a human perspective of those emotional states but to stay in those and not actually come back to the source of where one comes from, which is uh, the divine spiritual source of being from God's consciousness, being one that is of the mind of God, it's, it's staying there. The longer you remain, or the, I believe the longer I remain, ego identified, person persona identified. I am a mortal human being and that's the limit to who I am and I am separate from God. I would equate that as being hell. So that's the first one. What's the second one? This is so good. Thank
1: you. Thank you, Cliff, for your, your openness to, to answer it. And it's so interesting because I think that there'll be several different kinds of listeners because knowing you and knowing your audience, there'll be people who just heard your answer who are Shaking their fist at the at the uh, you know at their uh, earphones right now, going what? I disagree with you. And then there will be other people that feel a sense of uh, freedom and and encouragement and maybe even some excitement, maybe some newness. And so it's it, this is a very interesting uh, dialogue. So I, I'm really grateful for your answer. But yeah, the first one was how I'd love to hear your uh, your view of, of Jesus. You know, the traditional biblical view is that. He he is God's son. Uh, he was sent to Earth as fully man, fully human, uh, fully fully man, fully God. Uh, he lived a sinless and perfect life. He sacrificed himself on the cross. Guilt, no guilt of his own, as you you know all this, of course. But just to make sure that that our our listeners are on the same same page, this is the traditional biblical view. Uh, was crucified, died, rose again three days later, and his de- defeating death on the cross is what is what reconnects us to God. And the reason that Christ was sent was because of original sin of of Adam and Eve and the fall, disobeying God's commandments. And so that being said. That's kind of the point of Christ, at least biblically. And so what is your view of who Jesus is or the idea of of a Christ figure? Yeah.
0: So my response to that, where I am today, is that Jesus is an incarnated version of Christ's consciousness here on earth. He is... So I... I'm coming to this today from what I would believe to be a very Hindu perspective of how Maya or creation came about. And I know creation's another thing on your list. But anyway, that God being all that is, and there is nothing outside of God, maybe perhaps one day decided, I wonder what it would be like if I could actually experience giving and receiving love. And so he decides. You know what? I what if I wrote a story, a play, maybe a, a drama, and and it would have many different acts. And it's like, ah, oh, this is great. This would be ah, oh, this is amazing. But then he decides. Well, I would need a place. To host this play. So he decides to create a community theater. And to do that, maybe the planet Earth might be one of the places he decides to put this play on. And so, therefore, he creates uh, a causal realm where he creates images of himself, such as the vibratory energy of God, aka the Holy Spirit, and the intelligence of God or the mind of God, that will hold everything together, that energy, and place it into form. And that would be the Christ consciousness. So that would be the Christ and the Holy Spirit, the Son of God and the Holy Spirit, the energy and the Christ consciousness. And then through that energy going down various different realms to make up the material world, we ultimately end to the planet Earth. Now there's a community. Uh, play. There's a community theater center for the arts. The only problem is, is there's no actors. So what does God do? Oh, I know what I'll do. I will create infinite sparks of myself, call them souls, if you will, an infinite number of them, and they will be individualized versions or images of my consciousness. And they will descend down through the astral planes into the material world and incarnate into and attach their consciousness into human form. Now, originally perhaps every every image of God gets onto earth and we all see that we're all God and and it's kind of like we're playing this play but we're all it, it's kind of like me on the stage Like um, Flash Gordon, if you will, I'm I'm over here saying this part, and then I go over here and I say this part, but it's all me, and I know it's all me. So maybe, perhaps, God created a delusionary force. You might call it Satan, that would cause you to have ignorance or a forgetfulness of the fact that you are God. And so therefore, you would have the knowledge that you are human. You would begin to develop a belief system and attachment to your individualized persona created here on earth and have a belief that this is all you are. And so therefore, now the actors on the stage can actually fully be involved, not thinking I am God, but I am this person. And so I believe that the, the drama from a, the Hindu perspective is that the ultimate goal is for every individual soul and spark to make its way back to the remembrance and original inheritance as son of God or Christ mind. I pray that they would be one as you and I are one is what Jesus prayed. And so, and also, and I remember when Jesus says on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgive the other versions of me who are unaware that they are one with you and I. In essence, that's what I think Jesus said when he was dying on the cross. Assuming, by the way, that he did die on the cross, which I still, I, I still buy into that. Um, although I've heard certain theories that maybe he didn't. Maybe it's allegory. Maybe there's all this other stuff. I'm open to other people's interpretations. But I still, I grew up very conditioned with that. I haven't, I haven't dropped that per se. So, I believe that um, if you were were to read the chapter, I think it might be chapter 43 or 48 of the book Autobiography of a Yogi by Paranmanhanza Yogananda, there's a chapter titled The Resurrection of Sri Yukteswar, which is his his guru passed away, or shall I say, um, dissolved into non-physical, uh, he he transitioned out of physical life into to this back into the spirit world, and he came back and gave this full dialogue of of all of this stuff. And so, those souls that actually make it make their way back into an enlightened state, and there are different levels of enlightenment, all the way back up to full oneness and union and Christ consciousness with Christ. I, by the way, I believe that others have experienced the the same level of Christ consciousness as Jesus did, and so what happens is in Hindu philosophy they talk about the fact that ascended masters who are fully enlightened can come back in certain epochs of time to be a world savior to open up the minds and 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 to bring forth a new. Um, a generation of people who are open to hearing that you are not what you believe you are and that you can be one with God as I am one with God. And I believe that Jesus, when he was born into this physical plane, I believe that he was already an enlightened soul who um, also, uh, who, had previously worked out any if, if any potential karma from his original let's just say descent into material through previous lives and all this other stuff and I you didn't ask about this but I also believe in reincarnation and uh, I, I'll just throw out some weird esoteric stuff out there that's just kind of fun you know whether or not any of this is true there is there is a, a a part that I read that that potentially John the Baptist is the reincarnated soul of Elijah. All right. So, and in the new Testament, Jesus was asked by his disciples, doesn't it, isn't it foretold by the prophets that Elijah will come again? The next line, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, Elijah has come and they've done with him what they would. And the next line says, and then the disciples realized he was speaking of John the Baptist. So, potentially, it, one could argue that maybe John the Baptist was the reincarnated soul of Elijah. Now, even further, if you were to read the uh, second coming of Christ, the resurrection of Christ within you, a revelatory commentary on the original teachings of Jesus, which is a two-volume teaching of the original teachings of Jesus from Paramahansa Yogananda, he suggests that Jesus was the reincarnated soul of Elisha, who was the disciple of Elijah, who asked for a double blessing, so that when these souls who reincarnate and often come into the world together by Hindu philosophy, suggests that they came in and agreed to come in at the same time but given that Elijah agreed to give Jesus or Elisha the double blessing he you you be the world savior this time and then imagine All of, you know, the angels come and foretell the telling of John coming to Elizabeth and what's his name, Zachariah or whatever, and then Mm you've got Joseph and Mary being met by angels, and what do we, lo and behold, what happens? There's this one scripture, I could never understand why this is even written, but all of a sudden, Mary goes to meet her cousin Elizabeth, and we're told that as soon as they became in proximity of one another, both wombs leapt for joy. And and I have finished it. If if this were true, and again I state, if this were true, what if that's the soul of Elisha and Elijah is so excited with joy in the wombs of these mothers that they're going to come back into the world and do work together again? That's where I am on Jesus.
1: It's it's so fun to think about, and I love I love one thing I love about you, Cliff, is that you're such a voracious reader and a learner and you're, and you're seeking truth. And I, I think that's just so admirable. What was the third one? Okay. The third one is uh, creation. How did, how did we get here? What, how did this world start? Um, there's an, a, there's a creation account, actually two creation accounts in the Bible. Uh, traditional biblical, biblical, Christians believe that one is, you know, one is, one is, um, kind of metaphorical and, and one is is more like, Tangible way to what actually happen once more the kind of the art poetry version of it. Uh, but I'd love to hear your perspective. How did how was the world created? Um, was there ever sin? You
0: know the kind of the, the the sort of the Genesis one through three account. What's your what's your kind of view of creation? Well, certainly I grew up in a young Earth literal translation of creation. Genesis is the way to go kind of thing. For the first forty seven years of my life, that's where I was, and that was my conclusion. As I said, I decided to drop all of my conclusions and to continue seeking and exploring, and it's not where I am today. So, um, I love love the opening of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and He was with God in the beginning, and everything that was created was created by Him. So... In essence, if you were to read again the Resurrection of Sri Yukteswar that chapter, I will tell you that that description of creation is most in alignment with what I believe today. Uh, the entire the entire chapter, without exception, I absolutely resonate with at the highest level. Now, please understand, I I will say this over and over again. I am not saying that what I believe is true. I'm not saying it's my conclusion that I will never change my belief about that. But right now, it's what sets with me the most. And if you want, I already gave you an overview of that. In, I mean, in, in a very, you know, very short overview. We only have 24 minutes of Brian's time. So, <laughs> but if you wanted to know fully what I believe about creation and why we're here, how we got here, and all that stuff, um, just one chapter of the book, Autobiography of a Yogi, would explain it.
1: Okay. And then, and then finally the, of the, of the four, which, which again are, are pre- precursors to understanding where you are. And then of course, I want to hear how you got to where you are. Uh, but, but the, the fourth one that I would ask you is your view of eternity in other words, which I, I think I can parse out based on what you, some of what you shared already. Uh, but Cliff Ravenscraft, the, the husband, father, human man, passes away, dies, transitions, whatever you want to call it, but your heart stops beating, your lungs start, your lungs stop breathing. Um, what happens after?
0: Yeah. Uh, so I transition back into non-physical from which I came. And as soon as I do that, my, where I am today, and I could be wrong, but where I am today, I immediately lose all of the delusion, I, I, I no longer am limited. I, I may have a very clear understanding of just how far off I was on all of the things that I believed. And, depend, and depending on whether or not God and my union with God was my one and only desire will determine what happens next. So if my union if my union with Christ is my one and only desire meaning that I didn't die wishing that I would have won the lottery but I never did or if I didn't die wishing I would have had more sexual experiences and explored with other things and all this other stuff if I if I if I didn't if I didn't die without any desires if I hadn't worked off all of my karmic uh desires that have yet to be fulfilled, then I would return to my oneness with Christ. However, if when I leave and transition to non-physical, there are uh, unmet desires within me, or if, by the way, if I haven't worked off the bad karma as well, if I haven't uh, received Measure for measure, the judgment or the uh, abuse that I'd given out to others, if I had not either received that measure for measure or through repentance and discipline worked off that ba- bad karma, then I would come back and I would experience potential other cycles of birth and redeath over and over again until ultimately I've, I've fulfilled everything inside of what's called the law of karma.
1: Amazing! Thank you for sharing where you are. It's 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 so fascinating to hear, and so uh, it's so interesting to have a conversation with someone who you know as this one version, and then seeing seeing a a, a process of transformation, and then to meet again and to have a conversation. And go, oh, this is this is where you are. So this is now where I would love to hear your story of. How did you get from um, what my understanding was, because I was I was recounting, we've known each other for quite a long time now. My view of Cliff Ravenscraft is grew up in the church, believes in the biblical teaching of, of Jesus, right? Heaven, hell, sin, grace, redemption, sanctification um, community fellowship, um, uh, you know, just all the, all the sort of the, what we'd call like the fundamental beliefs of, of Christianity, what you just shared, uh, I lived in, in San Diego for seven years. And so I was very much exposed to, um, the, the sort of the West coast, new age, last Hindu kind of, um, um, Sort of the, uh, the 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 buffet of uh, beliefs that that people have kind of taken on and 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 lived with and are kind of and and I, I hear what I'm hearing from you is a lot more Encinitas, California, kind of follow, following that sort of philosophy uh, as opposed to where I am in Charlotte, North Carolina, go to a Baptist church, right? So I just feel like we're we're in very different places, and so my question for you, Cliff, is I'd love to hear how you arrived at these at these places what were maybe some of the the high points and the low points that got you to start moving towards uh the, some of these things that you either believe right now you you did you a few times you did say well i'm not sure if i, I believe it or I'm not sure if i oh no I'm right on I, that but by I'm the kind way of
0: exploring i just want to say this i'm absolutely certain of everything that yeah. i've stated i absolutely believe it what i am saying is that i can't i haven't come to a conclusion and i can't say that what i believe won't change but I okay, absolutely yeah. believe what I believe. I, there's no lack of, there's no doubt in what I believe right now. But I'm not saying yeah. I'm right.
1: I, I love one of my favorite stories in the in the Bible is is, is at Mars Hill when when the Apostle Paul went to Areopagus and and he all the Greek philosophers were were sitting around having a conversation about all the different gods and all the different world philosophies. And, and what he did is he approached them with gentleness and respect. And Peter talks about it in 1 Peter 3.15 as well. Always be ready to have a reason for the hope that you have, but share it with gentleness and respect." And so I'm really grateful for this conversation. And this one, this feels like a conversation of gentleness and respect. And so I respect you. Um, I'm very like. There's a lot of things that you said, that I, I would I would land on a different a different conclusion. But I would really, Cliff. Like, how did how did you go from growing up in a, in a church, believing in Jesus, etc., to to this newfound? Um, um, even the word possibility actually comes up. There's a new found possibility that you have in your life.
0: Sure. So there are a couple of, so again, I want to emphasize the fact that we have 18 minutes of Brian's time. So I'm going to first. <laughs> this could be a long conversation. So first, let me explain this. Episode 000 of this podcast, Encouraging Others Through Christ, is titled, Listen to This Episode First. It's about a two-hour overview of my life's journey through faith. Then I would encourage you to listen to episode number 135 of this podcast, which is titled A New New Beginning or something of that nature. And then if you want, listen to episode number 136 titled Am I a Heretic? And you will find out that by definition, yes, I am. So, um, those three episodes will give you may, way more to the answer of this question of how did I get here than you would probably ever want to know about me, but it's all there. Now, for those who are only going to listen to this episode, let me give you the reader's dice. Let me give you the Cliffs Notes version. All right, so here's the Cliffs Notes. First and foremost, I want to say that I had a relationship with God way before I had a relationship with any doctrine or dogma. I My mom and dad did not go to church when I was a kid, but somehow I have this certificate. I was baptized as an infinite... Infant in the Wesleyan Church. I have that document in there. I remember that when my mom and my stepdad first got together, I was going to a preschool which is in this, in this Nazarene church. And so, chances are, if I'm actually sitting in the basement of a Nazarene church in a pre- preschool, they're probably singing songs and playing, you know, stuff, and they're they're talking about God. Now, in first kindergarten and first grade, I went to public school in Clifton, Ohio. And if you've ever heard about Cincinnati, Ohio, that they're not known for great race relationship, race relations. And back in the 70s, it really wasn't great. And I was one of very few white kids in an all black school. I had no problems by the way, I, I had great friends, I had great recess, I still to this day wish I could go back and play tetherball with my friends and, and hopscotch and stuff like that, we had the blast. But by the end of first grade I couldn't spell the name Cliff on a piece of paper and, my mom and, and, they, and they gave me straight A's and passed me on to second grade. Well my mom and dad put me into Catholic school and made me restart first grade again. So, here I am. I went from one of very few white kids in an all-black school to now one of two uh, non-Catholics in an all-Catholic school. Now, here I am in Catholic school as a non-Catholic, but attending Mass every Friday for eight years of my life. I'm sitting in religious education from a Catholic perspective every single day of my educational life. All while my mom and dad don't take me to church, but when I get into 2nd grade, there's an opportunity for me to have first communion and convert to Catholicism. And I wanted to just so I could be accepted and be like all the other kids in my school. But my mom, being coming from a Protestant background, discouraged me and I had a decision. Do I do I want the acceptance and love of my mother? who is a Protestant and who would be hurt if I actually converted to Catholicism? Or do I want the love and acceptance of my classmates? For some odd reason, I chose the love of my mom and I became the outcast, the kid that's not allowed to take communion and go to confession and stuff like that. So at this point, my mom is and dad own a grocery store for a short period of time. And there was a guy who delivered coffee, and he was a part of this Nazarene church in Florence, Kentucky. And he says, "Hey, I if you want my grandson, I take him to church. I could stop by your neighborhood and pick Cliff up if he wants to go to church with me." And they asked if you would you be interested? At the, again, I want you to know, I'm always thinking about God. I was that crazy kid who always thought about God. I always loved God. Everything I could hear and learn about God, I soaked up like a sponge. I loved God. And so I, you know, and, and so I go to this Nazarene church, and all of a sudden they're telling me things that are different from the Catholic stuff that I'm learning. And, and, I, and it's like, so imagine me in second grade trying to figure this out, right? And then I have other friends who go to church and they invite me to vacation Bible school and they invite me to their Sunday schools on Sundays. And and so I became, even though my mom and dad didn't go to church, I went to all of the different, basically anybody who had cookies, Kool-Aid, and flannel graphs, I went. So Brian, I know that you come from a Baptist church. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Every vacation Bible school, I was there. Every Sunday school class I could attend, it doesn't matter. I went to Nazarene, Wesleyan, Lutheran, uh, Methodist, Baptist, you you name it, all of the branches, all of the flavors. When I was a teenager, all this, by the way, my mom and dad still don't go to church, right? Although I did use God's name in vain one time, and, and I got <laughs> severely punished for that, which I, that didn't make sense. So I, I said, Jesus Christ, and, and boy, did things go down. Uh, I learned never to say that again. So um, anyway, then all of a sudden, when I was 15 years old, my cousin invited me to go to this Pentecostal church, ultra charismatic, speaking in tongues, rolling on the floor, running up and down the aisles, speak everything. And um, I, I will tell you that I the the preaching there was so intense. I mean, it, it. matter of fact, it, I immediately said, you know what, I need to get rid of, I, I took every album and I burned them, I got rid of everything that was secular, and I became, you know, I am pure, I am holy, this is blame, this is my life, this is what I want, I want to live this pure, holy, righteous life, and, and I became obsessed with that. Eventually, some way, I left that church, and then, you know, just going through different phases... Uh, eventually um, there was this time in the season where I wasn't going to any churches, but I just listened to Christian radio nonstop. I would listen to Chuck Swindoll. I would listen to Steve Brown from Key Life Ministries. I would listen to Ravi Zacharias. I would listen to, to I mean, you name any Christian broadcaster, I will tell you I've listened to thousands of hours of Christian brought and and of course if you, just RC Sproul. i mean the the variety and the diversity of Dr Char- Tony Evans uh, just just all of this and this is this is the makeup of everything i'm experiencing right and so then when i was 18 years old i started dating a girl i met her at this in another nazarene church and i met her parents They set me in in, in this uh, interrogation room, black room, bright white light, and said, tell me how you know you're a Christian. Actually, it was the dinner table, and it wasn't like that at all. (laughs) But I, I explained why I was a Christian. I went back home, and she called me up and says, I have to break up with you. And I said, why? And she says, because my mom and dad won't let me date somebody who's not a Christian. And I immediately feared for my eternal damnation. I could care less that I just lost my girlfriend. I just need to know that I'm not going to burn in hell if I die tonight when I sleep. So I call another friend up, and I, get, and I, I took away one of the burning in hell fears that I had when I was eight. It, you can go listen to the whole old stuff. <laughs> Long story short, I, I get saved for a third or fourth or fifth time. Uh, you know, I, I'm losing count at this point how many times I've been saved. Um, But finally, when I was 18 years old, this is where things really shifted. They said, Cliff, if you really want to just seal the deal in this and never have fear again, here are three things you need to know. You need to go to church every day the doors open. Number two, you need to read your Bible every single day of your life. Never fail. And number three, you must uh, agree to do these things and avoid this. And Brian, it wasn't until years later that I realized that over the next 5, 10, 15 years of my life, I kind of lost my joy in my relationship with God. In fact, I had traded my relationship with God. Now, that, that relationship I see today was never in danger. I mean, it, 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 it was all in my mind. But If I didn't go to church or if I didn't agree to uh, volunteer in a church thing, I was made to feel guilt and shame over that. And it's not just one church, by the way. I'm talking a lot of different experiences. So um, then I I felt guilty and I felt God was upset with me. But if I would just give in and sacrifice and pour everything into this institution— God would be happy with me. Same thing. If I read my Bible, God loves me. He's going to bless me. If I miss a couple of days, God's going to punish me, and that's why I'm maybe sick now because I didn't read the Bible last week. Um, and then there was the doing good versus not good. You know, all of this stuff. You know, just so eventually I realize it's like, wait a second. I have a relationship with an institution, a relationship with information about God, a.k.a. the Bible, and a relationship with a moral code of conduct. And what I can tell you is none of those three things ever gave me life, peace, or joy. And so in September 2011, I read a book called So You Don't Want to Go to Church Anymore by Wayne Jacobson. He's been a guest on several episodes of this podcast prior to episode 135. And that was, I decided to leave the institution. I took five years off of reading the Bible. I'd already memorized so much of it. I figure I've got enough to work out and live out in my life. I'd be good for a while. But I I stopped attending church in September 2011. I stopped reading the Bible for five years straight, and I... um, Gave up on trying to avoid sinful behavior and pursuing righteous behavior, and I just allowed myself to be me. And I began to experience that relationship with God once again that I once had. And for from 2011 to 2020, I found a way to live authentic, Christ-like, Christ-relationship outside of the institution and outside of—but— I maintained my adherence to doctrinal beliefs and also the belief that the Bible is the inerrant, perfect word of God, blah, blah, blah. But in 2020, I decided to let those go as well. That's, that's my journey.
1: What, what happened in 2020?
0: 2020 was a time where everything that was my identity was disrupted. So, everything that I just assumed was true, uh, and everything that I thought was my identity, and every it was all kind of stripped away. So, you know, that I had a fitness journey. I am basically, I am, I was totally ego identified. I am Cliff Ravenscraft. I am this body. I am, I am this, right? So, that yeah. that was I, I did not see myself as a divine spiritual being having a human experience in, in the version of this Cliff Ravenscraft thing that, that's being built here. I was totally identified with Cliff Ravenscraft, and I told the world, I will work out six days a week, every week for the rest of my life, and for uh, six years, I had done that six days a week, every week in the gym for two to three hours a day, and the pandemic closed that. Cliff... You cannot go to that place that is your home, all right? So that was taken away. Then, you know, going to conferences. This is how I build my business. This is where I grow my clients. I can't do that. That's taken away. Yeah. And and not to mention the another uh, other things. Also, previously, I was a super ultra conservative person who voted a very specific way. But not because I thought it was the right thing to do, but because that's, I'm, Based on conditioning and, and my upbringing, so I was one of those people who felt that the election was was robbed and stuff like that, and and I became very upset about the fact that I think things are being hidden and and then I and again I played the the conservative right wing side for a while and I sat there on TikTok and watched what went down on January sixth. And I can tell you right now, I watched a bunch of very peaceful people for the most part, with a few hired people to cause problems but that's not the narrative that was being told and then and so as soon as i actually saw and watched it in in first person through real-time videos as it was happening and then the narrative that was being told in the media and then by the way i was one of those people who chose not to get a vaccine and of course that immediately it's like wow and i just began to wake up to the fact that people have agendas and propaganda and mm-hmm. that things that mm-hmm. people say aren't always true. So that's a little bit of an insight into how, what kind of happened in Amazing. 2020. So
1: where where do you see yourself in, let's say 10 years from now, in terms of your belief system?
0: I don't know. I, yeah. I, I can tell you right now, I see myself where I was From the time I was a kid, when I was 18 years old, even though I did it through the lens of fundamentalist worldview, and where I've been, one thing has never changed. I am devoting my life to being of support and encouragement through my relationship with Christ to anyone and everyone who is willing to be on the receiving end of support and encouragement. My desire is help to help people find out who they truly are to help them love themselves without condition so that they can love others like that. That, Mm. that is what my, that's what my life is devoted to.
1: Yeah. It sounds, it sounds so beautiful and I'm, I'm so grateful for you to, to share your journey And, um, especially some of the hard stuff, I think, I think that, um, you know, I I call it Jesus plus I've, I've seen this in, in many different faiths and many different sects and many different denominations. There's this idea of Jesus plus I had a, I had a conversation with a Mormon missionary maybe about 10 years ago now, and I really developed a relationship with them. And of course they're trying to tell me about Jesus plus, which is Jesus isn't enough you need Joseph Smith. You need, you need all the, all the other, uh, doctrine and covenants and the Pearl of great price and all these other. You need a card. You need all the things about, uh, certain things. And so, uh, you know, I had this conversation with him and I said, I said, we were, we got to a point where he was finally ready to listen to what I was saying too. Cause he was talking 99% of the time in our relationship. That's kind of how this Mormon missionaries work. And, uh, and I finally said to him, um, You know, I I think I figured it out and I think I'd like to share it with you. It's like, okay, he was ready. And I said, Well, the answer is Jesus plus. And he said, Jesus plus what? And I said, Jesus plus nothing. And it kind of broke him. And he actually got removed from the mission field and they replaced him with another missionary two weeks later. And I see Jesus plus in you, Cliff. I see Jesus plus Hindu, Jesus plus your yogi, Jesus plus your exploration and but the thing is that's not new i see jesus plus all the way back to you know nazarenes do jesus plus which is jesus plus holiness uh catholics do jesus plus jesus plus you have to ask for forgiveness if you don't you go to purgatory and so i think that's where we get really just tripped up is in is in human tradition us people, we love to build rules and structure around things as opposed to allowing the words of Christ to be enough. Um, and the, the, the thing that I, I just keep hearing is, you know, I I admire you for your searching. Um, but I think that there is a peace that passes all understanding. There's a rest, right? Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And there's something about being able to rest in the truth of what Christ said, as opposed to continuing to search, because that would be my concern for you is that this is the 2023 version. What's the 2030 version? What's the 2040 version? It's just a continuous uh, wandering as opposed to resting.
0: Yeah. So one of the things, given that uh, line of thought, I will say this. If you were to ask me overall, where am I today? I am at, absolute peace. I don't feel like I lack anything. Um, There's plenty of knowledge. There's plenty of information of other people's experiences of God, and I like to learn them. In fact, it's my learning those that I'm able to see the commonality of the fact that, wow, we're all experiencing the same one true God. We have different language to experience it. So, my searching is is more along the lines of exploration, of finding out what other people have experienced, how they're describing it, and finding how it is the one truth that it does exist. Now, for me, it's not important that they use the name Jesus, Yeshua, or any of, any of that as far as I'm concerned. Jesus was the embodiment of this Christ consciousness, and, and and that is what he invited me into when he said, seek first the kingdom of God, and then when he was asked, where is the kingdom, he said, the kingdom is among you, and other uh, translations of the Bible will say, within you. And I've gone in deep meditation, experienced oneness with Jesus on a daily basis, and my soul is absolutely satisfied, and it, it took me undoing all of the adherence to, I have to believe this about the Bible, I have to believe this about these doctrinal statements, I have to go to this institution, I have to avoid reading these books, I have to avoid going and having these experiences with these spiritual practitioners, but instead, I can be one with Christ and go and explore and experience things in this world not because I'm in search of anything more than what I already have, which is the fullness of my divine spiritual connection to God through Christ, but because it's fun and it's my passion and it's what I want and it allows me to understand and appreciate so many other people's worldview who will never be touched or reached by a fundamentalist evangelical Orthodox Christian.
1: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to to speak with you and to continue this dialogue. And of course, i I want to offer um, myself up as as well for those who are listening to to reach out because um, I've come to very different conclusions than than you have, but I'm really grateful for the opportunity to uh, to speak with you and
0: hear and to hear your story. Awesome. And Brian, if somebody wanted to reach out to you and dialogue with you and say, what are some of those other, conclusions that you've come to and how did you come to them how would how would you want people to reach out to you
1: I, I'm so accessible. I think probably one of the social medias, probably Instagram or Facebook. Those are the those are the quick ones. You know, I'm in my mid forties now, so those are the ones that I use. Uh, but yeah, find me on Instagram, Brian J Dixon, over on Instagram. Send me a DM. Say I I listened to that talk, conversation you had with Cliff, and I have a question. Um, I I have a, a master's degree from a from a Bible college. I've been a a Bible believing Christian my my whole life. Uh, and I, I love defending the, the word of God. I believe in the inerrancy of scripture and, and I've investigated it and I'm so v- very much ready to um, give a defense for, for traditional Christianity, but in a way that's gentle and respectful. And Cliff, this has been an amazing opportunity and I'm, I'm so grateful for you for including me on the show today.
0: Awesome. Thank you. And I will put links to your Instagram and Facebook profiles in the show notes for this episode. Brian, I love you. I thank you. And I will have you back on a future episode. And I will ask you program questions about your defense of the inerrancy of the Bible. That would be so much fun. I I look
1: forward to that. Thank you, Cliff. All
0: right. We'll talk soon. Many blessings.